Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hit and run, caught on camera. Leaving somebody on the side of the road, especially a young girl, just, I can't, I can't process that. A parent's plea to the driver who injured his child. No laughing matter. I can't believe that they think this is funny. I can't believe people in society think this is funny. The comedy troupe drawing outrage with shirts featuring a notorious serial killer. Deck deconstruction. But it seems sad, it's such a tradition to be able to walk through this area. Vancouver's waterfront set to lose a popular Expo 86 legacy. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thank you for joining us. A family in Port Alberni is trying to find the person responsible for hitting their daughter, then turning the other way and driving away. The scary scene was captured on their doorbell cam, so as Grace Key reports, the family has turned to social media for help. Home security video shows Danica Curry getting off the school bus in Port Alberni. She gets the mail and is about to cross the road when an SUV pulls up. You can see Danica turn to make eye contact with the driver before she crosses the road. That's why what happened next was so shocking to Danica. The driver hits her, throws her a few feet to the ground, backs up, and then drives the other direction. I made eye contact with the driver, um, and she like nodded at me, signifying that I was like good to cross. And I made it probably about two to three feet across the road, and she just gunned it and hit me. She looked at me while I was like sitting on the ground. So she, she knew that I was there, but other than that, she just drove off. It happened on Wednesday at about 3.30 p.m. Danica's father posted the video on social media. Several tips have been passed on to police. And leaving somebody on the side of the road, especially a young girl, just, I can't, I can't process that and I have no words to understand at this time why you can do that. Danica has some scrapes and bruises and she still has a limp from the hit and run. My phone was like over there. All the mail was everywhere. My backpack was in the ditch. Danica's resilience showed through two days later. That's her in the red. After a doctor cleared her for provincials in wrestling, she went on to win two matches. Couldn't be more proud of her. Uh, win, lose, or draw. She went and she fought hard and uh, won a couple of matches and, and stuck with it and never, never backed down. The vehicle is a gray Hyundai SUV. Danica has this message for the female driver. Please turn yourself in because pretty messed up thing to do, especially to a child, and especially considering that you saw me. So be the good person. Grace Key, Global News. Meanwhile, an elderly woman has been killed in a hit and run in Nanaimo. It happened last night on Cedar Road near Benny Road. The 90-year-old victim was found lying in the road unconscious by someone passing through the area just before nine. Despite the efforts of first responders, she was pronounced dead at the scene. We need assistance from the public. We need to 
anybody who maybe has dash cam video, eyewitness evidence, or even if they came across a car that has recent damage and it wasn't damaged the day or two before. Anyone with information is asked to contact Nanaimo RCMP. Outrage is growing at a t-shirt offered for sale by a comedy troupe. It features Robert Picton's image, and as Angela Jung reports, families of those suspected of dying at the hands of the serial killer are disgusted beyond measure. This is so disgusting. Pelhelsia Lorelai Williams, horrified to see this being sold. A t-shirt that reads, Picton Farms, over 50 flavors of hookery smoked bacon. For them to refer to my cousin as a flavor, like, yeah, I, that's why I wanted to puke. Her cousin, Tanya Holick, was just 21 when she disappeared. Notorious serial killer Robert Picton was charged with murdering her and 25 others, though he was convicted of six counts. Williams calls this t-shirt vile and tasteless. What if this was their mother, daughter, sister, grandma and cousin? The merchandise is sold by Canadian comedy troupe Danger Cats. I'm more than appalled. I, I just think that is absolutely one of the most disgusting things that I have ever heard. The group did not respond to our requests for comments, but in its latest YouTube video, the trio says the t-shirt is meant to raise awareness. This is the purpose of the comedy is to, if nobody talks about it, it gets forgotten. But Williams is not buying it, saying the group's profiting off the tragedies. It really shows how sick they are. Danger Cats is scheduled to come to the House of Comedy in New Westminster next month, and Williams would like to see it get cancelled. Shows in Winnipeg and Thunder Bay have already been called off. And apologize on what they said. This Thunder Bay woman lobbied to have the show cancelled in her hometown after learning Danger Cats used residential schools and unmarked graves for laughs. To see a joke like this being made for the children, you know, like it's, and to see how they're handling it, it's just so disheartening. Last week, Picton became eligible to apply for day parole. That brought families together. And I'm emotionally drained, I'm emotionally exhausted, but at the same time, I will keep fighting for her. I will keep fighting for us. Refusing to let their pain be a punchline. Angela Jung, Global News. It's one of Vancouver's most popular strolls, but a giant deck at the east end of False Creek next to Science World is nearing the end of its life, and the city is moving ahead with plans to take it down. Cassidy Moscone has the story. Waterfront Sunday strolls around Science World will soon be a thing of the past. That's awful because I live close by and I enjoy and love walking here. Of course I'd be sad. I yeah. would be sad, yeah. I walk here a lot, so. It seems like a big part of what's Vancouver is to have the seawall connected all the way around that way, so yeah. I hope that doesn't happen. The city of Vancouver plans to deconstruct the decking along the eastern end of False Creek in an effort to reduce maintenance costs and risks to public safety. That is a very high traffic area in terms of, you know, it's not only 
taking that structure, you need machinery there, you need cranes there, you need the crew there. So the environmental impact of that also needs to be considered. Coined the Expo Deck, the waterfront amenity was constructed in 1984 in preparation for the 1986 World Expo. A city proposal document states the 40-year-old structure was designed for temporary purposes with a five-year service life and recent inspections indicate some of its structural elements are nearing the end of their useful lives. It doesn't mean after that service life it's going to collapse or anything like that, but there is different materials, different methodologies, different techniques that we use for a structure that is intended to be used for, like, say, 100 years or 30, 35 years versus structure that can be only used for five years. The deck isn't going anywhere fast. Its deconstruction will be done in phases. It'll start in 2027, but isn't expected to be finished until 2032. It's a seawall, you got to keep it. Everybody loves it. The city has no plans to rebuild something in its place. Engineering experts say a new structure would have more benefits than just cost. It's like a car built in 1980. You could rebuild it, you could do a lot to it, you could spend a lot of money on it, but it will not be a car that's built to the 2024 standard, right? So safety and the technological features that you could add. Cassidy Moscone, Global News. Still to come, homicide investigation in Sycamus. A man found dead in a hotel parking lot and the vehicle of interest police are now looking for. And why the 911 service known as Ecom could cost taxpayers in Burnaby a whole lot more this year. City of Burnaby is facing a major increase in how much it pays for a 911 service next year. Ecom handles police and emergency dispatch for Burnaby and a number of other municipalities across the Lower Mainland. For the past five years, the city has spent an average of $3.9 million for Ecom. But in a report going to council this week, staff warn that a one-year extension this year will cost taxpayers $6.2 million. That's an increase of more than 60 percent. Staff say the increase reflects escalating operating costs due to increasing demands. The Southeast District Major Crimes Unit has been called in to investigate a homicide in Sycamus. As Victoria Famia reports, police have identified a suspect vehicle, but no suspect. Police have been at the Best Western Hotel here in Sycamuse most of the morning investigating a crime scene over an incident that happened Saturday evening. Sycamus RCMP were called to the scene just before 5 p.m. following a report of a shooting in the parking lot of the hotel at 806 Trans-Canada Highway. According to RCMP, officers found one man dead in the parking lot. The death has been deemed a homicide based on evidence and witness statements. The Southeast District Major Crimes Unit now have conduct of this investigation. A witness here at the hotel who did not want to be identified for their own safety told Global News they heard multiple gunshots go off around 5 p.m. Saturday and they were told to stay in their room. Police, however, believe this incident was targeted and confirm there is no risk to public safety. The investigation is still in its early stages and investigators are still trying to determine the circumstances surrounding the shooting and who was involved. Major crimes have, however, identified a black Mercedes G-Wagon seen fleeing the area of the hotel, last known to be traveling westbound on the Trans-Canada Highway. 
Police now reaching out to the public for information or video surveillance of the G-Wagon or anything involving this incident in the Sycamus area from 7 a.m. until 5 p.m. Saturday. Victoria Famia, Global News. Burnaby's iconic Blues and Roots Festival could be coming to an end with city staff recommending a big change. Staff are proposing a new event be planned at Deer Lake Park, replacing the current Burnaby staple. It would have the same level of production value, but would instead include diverse genres of music with the hope of attracting more people. Last year, the festival saw more than 7,500 attendees and cost the city more than half a million dollars. If approved, more details on the revised festival will be released in May. Still to come, organized crime crackdown. Police in Quebec making multiple arrests this weekend as a bloody turf war continues. And another low-cost carrier bites the dust with Calgary-based Lynx Air winding down operations today. The last barrier is about to be cleared with Hungary getting ready to ratify Sweden's push to join NATO tomorrow. Hungary is the last remaining member of the military alliance to approve Sweden's application, which was made in May of 2022 after Russia launched its invasion of Ukraine. Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban said last week that the country's parliament will vote on Monday to greenlight the bid. If successful, Sweden will become NATO's 32nd member. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky says 31,000 Ukrainian soldiers have been killed in the two years since Russia's full-scale invasion. Many independent estimates think Ukraine's military death toll is even higher. But this is the first time in over a year that Ukraine has openly given details of how many soldiers have died. Redmond Shannon reports. The situation is always dynamic. Ukraine's Minister for Defense said Sunday that half of all arms promised to Ukraine have been delayed. Whatever committed that doesn't come on time will lose people, will lose territories. A day after Canada's commitment of another $3 billion, part of a new security pact, Kyiv's push for more help goes on. Most notably, the $60 billion US dollars of aid stalled in US Congress. At a news conference Sunday, President Vladimir Zelensky said international elections are key to how the war turns out, although he did not explicitly mention the prospect of a second Trump presidency. Zelensky also addressed the toll of two years of war as Ukraine looks to recruit more soldiers. 31,000 Ukrainian troops have been killed in this war. It's the first such official figure from Kyiv in over a year. Some independent estimates put that number at least 50% higher. But it is a very difficult figure to nail down during a war. Independent estimates for Russian military deaths vary greatly, from about 50,000 to over 100,000. Zelensky also spoke about the next Ukrainian peace summit this spring. He's hoping countries, particularly in Africa, Asia and Latin America, will support Kyiv's peace plan. And I think the main goal for Ukrainians would be to bring this across, that if Russia wins this war, this will destabilize the world and will also be a problem for countries, countries very far away. Zelensky said Russia is preparing for a new offensive in May or early summer. Battlefield information made public, perhaps aimed at members of U.S. Congress. Redmond Channel Global News, London. 
Quebec police have now made 18 arrests since Friday as part of a crackdown on organized crime groups embroiled in a bloody turf war. Over 100 officers are involved. The main target of the operation, a group called Blood Family Mafia, or BFM. Experts say the gang is in open conflict with the Hells Angels. Dan Spector explains. Bonjour, tôt ce matin, le SPVQ a procédé à l'arrestation. The Quebec City Police Captain Marie-Manon Savard announces the arrest of four more suspects between the ages of 35 and 40 years old in relation with recent violence between criminal groups. She says individuals arrested are associated with BFM, or Blood Family Mafia, the group headed by Dave Picturmel. BFM has been linked with a recent rampage of violent crimes in eastern Quebec, leading police to mobilize over 100 officers in an effort to stop the bloodshed. Criminologist Maria Murani says the gang has been targeting the infamous Hells Angels. The Blood Family Mafia. She says the Hells Angels demand a 10% cut of drug sales in Quebec City, and Thermel's gang no longer wanted to pay. BFM allegedly embarked on a campaign of brutal violence against people linked to the notorious biker group. A missing man from Saguenay, Quebec, was found in Montreal mutilated. A hostage taking in St. Malachie led to one man being killed, three others injured. Murani says by using torture as a tool, BFM is drawing inspiration from Mexican cartels and gangs in Central America. She says according to her sources, the Hells told police to step in or they would do it themselves. Now the arrests and charges are quickly adding up. 16 people arrested over the weekend, most in their 20s and 30s, have appeared in court. Charges being brought by Crown prosecutors include arson, attempted murder, weapons possession, imprisonment, torture, mutilation, assault, and drug trafficking. According to Murani, the leader of BFM has been hiding in Portugal since last summer, fearing there's a bounty on his head. She says his brutal tactics have shocked Hells Angels members, but still they don't want an all-out war. That's bad for business. Dan Spector, Global News, Montreal. We're just hours away now from the sun setting on a Canadian airline. Lynx Air will be ceasing all of its operations at midnight. Passengers check in for the last flights out of the airline's home base in Calgary. Lynx has been in the air for less than two years and has filed for creditor protection, citing increasingly high airport charges and a difficult economic and regulatory environment. Lynx operates nine planes and aviation experts estimate around 500 people will be out of a job. The Canadian Transportation Agency is advising anyone who has tickets with the airline for future travel to contact their travel agents or providers for alternate travel arrangements. Researchers have discovered an 11,000-year-old Stone Age wall in the Baltic Sea. The stone wall was discovered by a marine geologist who was conducting seabed surveys with students from the University of Kiel. A team of divers went in for a closer look after the structure appeared in hydroacoustic imaging. Researchers believe the wall was built by Stone Age hunters to ambush reindeer. The string of boulders are almost a kilometer long and could be Europe's oldest human-made megastructure. Well, snow has been hard to come by this winter, but one BC resort just got a good amount of it, and it's attracting skiers from far and wide. That's coming up. Today's wind causing some issues in Surrey. Have a look at this. 
A tree came crashing into the roof of this home near 128th Street and 104th Avenue earlier today. The homeowner who shared these photos with us says the roof was destroyed and the incident caused some damage to the ceiling of the home as well. Heavy snowfall is hitting BC's mountain passes, with drivers being warned of slippery conditions on Highway 97 east of Chetwind. Salting and sanding crews have been sent to the section of highway near Browns Road. Those driving in the area are being advised to slow down and watch for reduced visibility. A snowfall warning is in effect for Pine Pass, with snow expected to taper off this evening. And today's cold front caught people along Vancouver's waterfront off guard. A sudden hailstorm pelted people near Science World. A similar downburst was reported in Maple Ridge this afternoon. Spring may be near in valley bottoms, but there's still plenty of snow for skiers and snowboarders in the mountains. At Sun Peaks Resort, there were 18 days of snowfall in January, with another 10 centimeters in the last 24 hours. As Delana Nishaw with CFJC News tells us, Sun Peaks near Kamloops has noticed more visitors driving up from the lower mainland and even Washington State. It was a slow start to the ski season across BC this year. November saw minimal flakes, December was also dry, but January was a totally different story. We had um, 96 centimeters through the month, which was more than average. I think we had 18 days of fresh snow in January alone. Um, and February's um, fared really well on the snowfall front as well. That goal credited to Mother Nature, assisted by a team of snowmaking machines and grooming equipment. We were able to do a lot of snowmaking um, and build those conditions up, which set us up well for January when the snow finally came. Other areas in the province haven't seen similar snowfall amounts, and Sun Peaks has noticed more people driving in from the Caribou, Vancouver Island, North Vancouver, and Whistler. Our call centre at Guest Services, they handle a couple hundred of calls every day, and a lot of those inquiries right now are from folks in the Lower Mainland. They're looking for the snow, they're wondering how conditions are here at Sun Peaks. Pandemic travel decline isn't a concern this year, and the resort says typical international visits are back. Where are you guys coming in from? Where Seattle. Seattle. Have you been to Sun Peaks before? Yeah. yeah. The snow was really good yesterday, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. Been a good trip. Got, got nine of us out here from Chicago, so go Bears. Hotel occupancy at the resort is right on pace with last year's record. And Tourism Sun Peaks says spring bookings indicate many people aren't ready to say goodbye to winter yet. We're actually seeing a little bit more uptake of people coming in that have gone, I haven't got to go out this year. And I still want to get out and seeing that we still have consistent snowpack. We've got snow in the forecast, good temperatures. Um, so a little bit of, of change, I'd say, from, from previous seasons. So far, Sun Peaks is planning to keep lifts turning until the final day of winter season operations on April 7th. Delana Nisha, CFJC News. Snow in the interior, a good sign for some, but treacherous for drivers. Let's bring in our Yvonne Schall to see what the rest of the week holds. Yvonne. Travis, it's been breezy through the day today. We are going to still hang on to some windy conditions this evening with gusts of up to 40 kilometers per hour. Overnight tonight, we're hoping to see a partly cloudy sky and some breaks in there as we get in towards back to work and school on our Monday. Chilly temperatures, though, we've got that drop for many areas across the province. After this frontal system moves out, we've got this cold Arctic air. We'll see that reflected, especially for the northeastern corners of the province and much of the central interior. And even for us across the lower mainland, we'll be close to or hovering the freezing mark. Hoping to see a few breaks in there, 
brighter start for the morning by the afternoon. A very slight chance that we could see an isolated shower and then that drop in temperatures once again as we get in towards our Monday night. We are going to see a brief break on Monday. By Tuesday, though, the next weather maker that is moving in, it'll be cold enough that we could see some flurries in the mix and areas in towards the interior. We'll see another round of snow moving in towards Tuesday evening. Now, overnight lows, this will be for Monday night and taking us in towards Tuesday morning. So we're below the freezing mark. That moisture that's moving in will bring us some snowfall. Whistler down to minus 9 and that cold Arctic air. Factor in the wind chill for the northern and central half of the province, minus 30s, and we are looking at the risk of frostbite. Now, the northern half of the province along the coast, some bright spots with the mix of sun and cloud. A few flurries for the northeastern corners and lingering in towards the central interior. Southern half of the province, the interior, a nice break if you're traveling along the mountain passes will be for Monday. The return for some snowfall moving in for Tuesday night. Three and up to four degrees for the Thompson Okanagan. Whistler will be hovering the freezing mark through the day. And most areas across the island will still see the potential or the chance for some showers. Higher elevations could even see the potential for some flurries. Lower mainland tomorrow will see highs between five and up to six degrees. We've got a brief break, a very slight chance that we could see some showers in the mix, but we'll be watching it very closely for Tuesday morning. Potentials there to see some flurries. Great news for the local mountains. And then as we get in towards our Wednesday, Thursday, highs getting up to eight degrees. We're changing back over to rain. Travis. All right, Yvonne, thank you. It's the final day of the BC Winter Games in Latako, Quinell, and we're getting to know one of the many coaches in attendance. How you feeling out there? Feeling good? That's Bernard Manuel checking in with one of his athletes. The head coach of Zone 2 Archery has an athletic past. He's represented BC seven times at the North American Indigenous Games. He's played multiple sports, including hockey, baseball, and basketball. His goal as a coach is to use his own experience to help young athletes step into a higher level of competition. When an athlete reaches a milestone, it, it's such a good feeling. It, it, it feels really good to, to know that they're that they're there in, in their own element, that they're there for their own um, selves to, to, to step up and, and, to, and to say that I want to achieve this goal and I'm, I'm going to do what it takes to, to get there. And for them to, to, uh, to, to follow through with their, with, their, with their actions and achieve that goal and just, just to watch them succeed, that, that, that feels so good. More than 800 athletes and 200 coaches from across the province took part in the 2024 BC Winter Games. Also at the Games, out of the hundreds of athletes, Prince George's Killian Hollybow is taking home the prestigious W.R. Bennett Award. The achievement recognizes athletic excellence and leadership on and off the field. Hollybow won two silver medals in karate at these Games and won gold at last year's national championship. Hollybow also plays the cello, is part of the Royal Conservatory of Music, and is training to be a lifeguard. He says the award win was a shock. I'm very proud of this for myself and for everyone who helped me get it. I want to get a gold medal in an international event, maybe like Pan Ams or World Championships. Well, his first nationals, we weren't really kind of expecting him to, maybe not, not, we weren't expecting him not to do well, but um, he just went and just exploded and since, since then he's kind of been steadily in, in improving. It's been excellent to see that kind of growth and I'm excited about his potential for the future. Holly Bow has been training in karate for around eight years, practicing five times a week and hopes to become stronger in the sport as he progresses. Congratulations yeah. to Killian. Now that kid fills his time. He's not on the screens 
as, as many of uh, <laughs> no. our young uh, teenagers are, including one of mine. So that's good to see. Exactly. Stay active and a bright future. Barry, what do you got coming up? Well, we're going to take a look back at uh, the Canucks' big win. A lot of people still talk. When you beat the Bruins, you got to you got to kind of gloat a little bit for a couple of days. So we'll uh, continue on uh, that strain. Really great day for the Canadian women's rugby team at the Vancouver Rugby Sevens at BC Place. We'll show you uh, their exciting match against Australia. And uh, what else we got coming up? We got some university women's hockey too. UBC uh, looking to stay alive in their semifinal series. So lots coming up. Lots of good stuff coming up. Looking forward to it. And still to come, new insight into a major family decision. Why researchers say the idea of becoming a parent appears to be more appealing for men than women. It's no secret parenthood can come with a lot of responsibility and have impacts not only physically but financially as well. And a new study suggests fatherhood may be more appealing than motherhood for some. Sean Prevel breaks down the numbers and what factors may come into play. Deciding to have a child can be a difficult choice, but a recent study in the U.S. has found a difference between men and women and who wants a child more. And women will see, too, they're going to do not just more of the child care and maybe the harder parts of child care, but uh, more housework as well um, compared to partners. So, you know, it might give them a bit more pause. The study from Pew Research Center found about half of Americans aged 18 to 34 say they want to become parents someday. Nearly 6 in 10 men want to become a father, while just under half of women have motherhood in mind. Professor Marina Achid says it's not a surprise, noting women will not only face a big toll on their bodies, but on their employment as well, sometimes known as the mummy penalty. Um, they see much slower progression in their careers. They see slower wage growth in their careers. And so women who have children, relative to not just men, but relative to uh, women who don't have children, um, see a penalty. Economics professor Marie Connolly studied this idea of a child penalty in Canada and found women still had not recovered their pre-birth earnings 10 years later. It doesn't mean they're not going to have children, but they might hesitate or might respond, mm, I'm not so sure. Uh, whereas for men, this aspect doesn't seem to be uh, to, to come into play. Her 2023 study found little or no change for men before or after their child's birth. Statistics Canada recently said the country's fertility rate has hit its lowest level in recorded history. But while experts are not advocating for policies to get more people to have children, changes should happen to make the decision easier, such as a better work-life balance, more affordable childcare, and changing attitudes around fatherhood so childcare responsibilities can be shared more equally. Sean Prevel, Global News. After the break, Barry's here with sports, including the latest Rugby Sevens action out of BC Place and an update on a sidelined Whitecaps midfielder and when he might return to the pitch after undergoing surgery. Stay with us. Barry's back, and yeah, between uh, Rugby Sevens and then a Boston game. It was mm -hmm. a pretty rowdy weekend yeah, in Vancouver. Yeah, I was downtown uh, Friday night as well. Yeah, it's really, really busy. It's fun to be down there, especially when your teams win. It's the best. Thanks, Travis. Not that they uh, doubted themselves after their first real slump of the season, but the Canucks looked more like themselves last night, rallying for a stirring 3-2 overtime win over the Bruins that snapped their four-game losing streak, but also reaffirmed when they play with energy and discipline, they are one of the top teams in the league. Their busy schedule finally settles down for really the final 21 games of the season. They don't play again until Tuesday at home to Pittsburgh, which gives them time to savor one of their best efforts of the season. He settles the puck on the left wing, passes back to Hughes. Here's Miller. Shooting, tipped in by Besser. 
That's what I love about this group. They took the whatever the criticism or whatever you want to say from the coaches, but the, the bench was uh, terrific. One of the, it's one of the best I've seen in the, this last two, three weeks, the calmness. There wasn't a lot of frustration, I thought. Whether we won or lost tonight, I thought that we just played an, an awesome 60 minutes, and sometimes they're going to go in and sometimes they're not. And their goalie was unreal today, so I just thought it was a hell of a hockey game and you know, showed a lot of balls for our group today. I mean, it's confident, but I've truly been you know, preaching you guys the whole year. You know, The ups and downs were just kind of depending on if we won or lost today. You know, tomorrow's going to be the same day, and um, Monday or whenever we play next Tuesday, we're going to have to bring it again, and um, that's win or lose regardless of tonight. Rugby Sevens from BC Place. Canada's women in the third place match versus Australia after falling 15-7 to New Zealand in the semis earlier today. Canada got off to a roaring start. Chrissy Skirfield with the burst leaves the Aussies in her dust. Takes this one all the way for the try. Much to the delight of the huge Canadian crowd at BC Place. It was 7-7 at the half. And Canada strikes quickly on the restart. 20-year-old Chloe Daniels will dash in for the try. Canada back on top. 12 to 7. And then Charity Wilson, Canada's top player, one of their longest serving players, scoots in for the try to seal the deal as Canada gets a very emotional win. 19-14 over Australia. Canada finishes third place and caps a great weekend for them at BC Place. Now, the Women's Cup Final featured New Zealand and France. Canada lost close decisions to both of those teams this weekend. Opening half, New Zealand already up 14-7. Georgia Miller bursts up the middle. She won't be caught. Took it in for the try. 28-7 at the half, and New Zealand cruised to the Cup Final victory. 35-19 over France. And the Men's Cup Final also featured New Zealand against Argentina. All Blacks jumped out 12-0, but Argentina is a very... Very strong side, and they got the rest of the points, including three tries from Matias Asadchuk, and the number one ranked team in the world wins the Cup in Vancouver for the third straight year, 36-12 the final. Pumas over All Blacks. Canadian men, by the way, finished 12th, losing to Spain today. They were 0-5 this week, but they are in rebuilding mode. Women's World Gold Cup from Houston. Canada taking on uh, Women's Gold Cup. That is Canada taking on Paraguay in the second match after beating El Salvador 6-0. Canada strikes first. It's Adriana Leon taking advantage of a bad clear attempt by Paraguay. She's onside. Smashes home the volley. 1-0 Canada. They led 2-0 at the half. And then more from Leon. A fortunate bounce on the cross. But she's in position to knock in her second. 3-0 Canada comfortably in front and Leon is not done. How about the hat trick and she will smash this one to the roof of the net. 4-0 Canada the final. They cruise to another win. They finish their group play in the Gold Cup Wednesday against Costa Rica. The Whitecaps open their MLS season next Saturday at home to Charlotte. Vancouver hasn't made a lot of changes this year. They are counting on improvement from within, and one of those is exciting young Canadian Ali Ahmed. He played his first full season with the club last year, but had sports hernia surgery last month, so he's still recovering. Hopefully he's back in about mid-March, but getting the surgery means he will be even faster and more dangerous after having to manage that injury all of last year. Quite a bit, honestly. Shooting, any long-range passing, and uh, especially using right and left foot, uh, changing direction quick, running at full speed. Honestly, a lot was it was nagging. You know, it's something that I could I could have I could have played through one one season, I would say, but I I, I really didn't want to go through another season uh, 
you know, uh, playing at like 70%. So I'm glad, uh, you know, took care of it early. You know, just bring uh, that tenacity on and on, like on the field, defensively, both sides of the ball. Just, just bring that, you know, just bring that hunger and that and that energy to just to just go at the guys and and uh, you know bring uh, some some impact to the team. League's Cup Final from Wembley, Liverpool and Chelsea. No goals until the 118th minute deep into extra time off the corner kick. Virgil van Dijk, the captain for Liverpool, heads it in. Liverpool without many of their top players due to injury, including Mo Salah. It's the 10th time Liverpool has won the English Football League Cup. Scotty's final from Calgary. Six-time champ Jennifer Jones in her final year of women's curling will retire at the end of this season, trying to go out in style against longtime rival Rachel Homan of Ontario. Homan has won three Scotties. Fifth end, 2-1 Homan leading. Jones with hammer, but a fantastic run-back shot by the Ontario skip. And Homan ends up stealing a point when Jones' draw was heavy, so it's 3-1 right now for Homan as they play the sixth end in Calgary. PGA Tour stop. Lovely Puerto Vallarta for the Mexico Open. Only one Canadian made the cut. Ontario's Ben Silverman, and he had it going. He made this birdie putt on seven. He was actually in third place midway through his round, but he fell back for a tied for 13th, but still a good result for him. It was American Jake Knapp. He had 11 birdies in his round yesterday. Not as many today, but this nice chip on the par five led to a birdie, and Jake Knapp wins his first ever PGA Tour event, the Mexico Open. His girlfriend flew down from Ottawa, and he has Canadian roots. His late grandfather's from Manitoba, and he dedicated the win to him, so we'll claim him. Nice story for Jake Knapp, a former bar bouncer, now a PGA Tour champion. Let's go back to the NHL, Wings and Hawks. Patrick Kane's return to Chicago since he was uh, traded, or at least, yes, traded to the Rangers last year. Won three cups in 16 seasons. Warm reception, as you would expect. Also, the Blackhawks retired Chris Chelios' is number seven. He played 27 NHL seasons, nine in Chicago, ten in Detroit. Still in great shape at age 62. Speaking of superstars, Connor Bedard rips the wrist shot here, goes in off Nick Foligno in front and past James Reimer. So it's Foligno's goal. Bedard got the assist, two on Chicago. Bedard was stopped on a breakaway later in the game, and that was costly because Detroit forced overtime. And guess who wins it in OT? Patrick Kane going top shelf. It is amazing how the stars shine on these big stages when they're being honored. 3-2 the final. Wings win. Coyotes and Jets, Winnipeg looking for its 20th home win of the season. First period, Jets already up 2-1 on the power play. Gabe Velarde, nice hands there. He's been a great pickup from the Kings. He's got 16 goals, 3-1 Jets. But Arizona did come back to force overtime, but a three-on-one. And Kyle Connor slaps home the game winner. Four-point night for Mark Scheifele. Jets win in OT 4-3. 12 straight losses now for the Coyotes. Canada West Women's Hockey Semifinals just a couple of hours ago at UBC. UBC in Calgary, winner-take-all Game 3. T-Birds could not buy a goal in Game 2. That wasn't the case today. Three minutes in, Shanreet Bassey sets up Cassidy Rhodes, and they piled on three more in the second. Mackenzie McCallum bangs in the rebound on the third chance there. 5 nothing after two, and UBC wins it easily 6-2. So they advance to the Canada West Finals versus Alberta or Mount Royal. Now the men have also forced a Game 3 
three. That'll go tonight at seven. Last night versus Alberta had to win. They were down 2-1 late second, but UBC on the power play. Sam Huo redirects the uh, Sasha Mutala feed. It's two all. And then in the third, just 23 seconds in, it's Huo again converting the rebound after the initial shot hit the post. 3-2 T-Birds. And then in the final minute, Huo will complete the hat trick with a sweet move and UBC takes it 4-2. So as mentioned, game three tonight, seven o'clock. Winner will advance not only to the Canada West finals, but to the nationals as well. So it's just about to face off at Doug Mitchell Thunderbird Arena up there at UBC. Yeah, congrats to the women's side and good luck to the men. Yeah, exciting stuff. That's a lot on the line. We'll see if Huo can repeat us. Yes, he's been playing Patrick. really well, yeah. All right, thanks, Barry. After the break, Chris and Sophie will join us with the final word from this year's Variety Show of Hearts Telethon. Stay with us. Okay, just before we toss it back to Travis and the Weekend News Hour, we've got to celebrate a little bit what happened here on the Show of Hearts Telethon. It's been an amazing fundraiser for Variety, the children's charity, and we have you at home to thank for helping us hit an incredible fundraising milestone. And the total is, because we're still counting, more than 2.2 million dollars and you know what that is when you do the math let me do the math really quickly twenty eight hundred dollars <laughs> per kid uh it's 801 kids that we can help through all of the efforts uh of everyone here today and everyone who donated so thank you so much and we're so thankful to the contributions or for the contributions of the families and the kids who shared their stories with us it's those really impactful moments like when Jaden found out he was going to be hanging hanging out with the Warriors lacrosse team, or Barbara found out she was hanging out with the Boat for Hope Pirates. Amazing uh, memories for those kids, and just an amazing uh, push to give donations to Variety, and that money is going to do a lot of good. And I got to tell you, this location has been great here at the shipyards in the city yeah. of North Vancouver. Uh, this team has been incredible, some new faces, some returning faces. Um, but you know, 58th annual show of Horace Telethon, and uh, it's it's been it's been a great day. It has been an amazing day. Thanks, Howard. Thanks, Angela. Thanks, Safia. Thanks, everybody from White Spot. Marco, Isaac, you guys have been fantastic. Thanks, everybody who gave. Now back to Travis. All right. Thank you, Chris and Sophie. And yeah, thanks to all of you out there for your generous donations. The Lataco Quinell BC Winter Games have come to a close. More than 800 athletes competed. The event also featured over 200 coaches and more than 1,300 volunteers. Jay Durant is covering the action and caught up with the game's president, Jay. It's been an incredible four days of competition at the Lataco Quinell BC Winter Games. I'm here with President Brian Bockwell. And Brian, obviously you guys had high expectations coming in, but I think it exceeded even what you could have imagined. It sure did. We couldn't be happier. We had some of the best athletes in the province come to our community and we had the volunteers step out to make it a very a special occasion for everybody involved. That partnership with the Taco Diné right from the start really created something special at these games, did it not? It absolutely did. They were part of the bid to get the games brought to Quinell and they've been involved all the way along including participation on the board and liaisons and they've helped us with all the venues. We even had a special event for our participants last night at Lataco Diné, which I know will be very memorable for all the athletes. Every venue we went to, there's a high level of energy and enthusiasm from the athletes, the parents, the coaches, the volunteers. Did you see that too? I sure did, and my measure, of course, is the smiles. 
and I saw the smiles on all the athletes and our volunteers and lots of thank yous from the athletes towards the volunteers and that's really what it's all about. It's about having great sport in our community and for the kids. Congratulations Brian, you and your team did a tremendous job. Thank you very much. And who knows, maybe we'll be seeing some future Olympians and Paralympians coming out of this athlete group and some continuing to train for the BC Summer Games, which is coming up this July in Maple Ridge. Okay, thanks, Shay. Yeah, it was a really good event, and it was nice to see Barkerville step up and get the cross-country skiing and the biathlon in there Took as well. Took some work, good for them. Yeah. yeah, for sure, no kidding. They'll do it again next year. And we'll see you back here at 11. Thanks for watching. Have a great night. Good night.